Hello. Before we get down to cinema, I would like to draw your attention to our Patreon. Regular listeners will know that these podcasts are supported by Quad, our home cinema in Derby, UK. But as Quad is a charity, we want to make Cinelet as self-sustainable as possible. So, to that end, we have set up a two-tier way in which you can support Cinelit. For our 35mm Cine fans, you'll get a bonus additional episode each month where we will be deep diving into an area of cinema that will be exclusive to Patreon subscribers for at least six months before it arrives like a late dinner guest on the regular feed. Plus, you get the episodes a week in advance of the main feed release. But if you want to support us and don't feel that pressing need to have the additional podcast each month, but still want that warm, satisfying feeling of being part of the Cinelit success story, then you can become an 8mm Cine fan where you can donate and get our heartfelt thanks. Head over to the Patreon page and subscribe if you can. However, we know that times are hard at the moment, so please do not feel you need to subscribe if you are not able. We'll still be putting out new, free-to-listen-to episodes on a regular basis throughout the year. Now let's get back to your regular scheduled broadcast. I'm Rebecca Taylor, Film Officer at Quad in Derby. This podcast is part of a season we're doing at Quad in September called Reforming the Image, which is focusing on black and ethnically diverse representation on screen. In the podcast, I'm going to be talking to people in the film industry from a diverse community about representation on screen and the films that they identify with. I'd like to thank the BFI Film Hubs Midlands for funding this podcast. So enjoy. Welcome, Louise. Tell me a bit about what you do in the film industry. I, funnily enough, I actually work in TV. So before I worked um, doing social media and kind of freelancing. So I worked with New Black Film Collective and Dogwa on some documentary, kind of just doing general social media marketing for upcoming releases. And now I'm kind of doing the same thing, but for TV. So working at Author Media International with a lot of their key brands and yeah, just helping out with festivals and, and that type of stuff. So what draw you to get, get into working in or, or the entertainment industry? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's very strange because like, well, for a long time, I wanted to be an author. So I really liked stories and writing and everything. So when I was younger, I was all about books. And then I guess as I grew older, I started watching more TV and film with my family and stuff. And kind of, I didn't really know when it happened, but kind of just became a bit obsessed with film. And started going to like film premieres in London and like wanting to be a part of that environment, which led me to studying events because I wanted to then organise the film premiere. And then from that, it was just kind of a natural progression to kind of doing film marketing and learning more about this area that I didn't really think I was going to go into when I was younger. But then it was just like, yeah, absolutely. Like my entire life is based around films and stories and stuff. So, yeah. Is there a particular film that you feel like really got you interested in in that? I mean, I went through when I was younger, the whole Twilight obsession phase. So that was a big thing. But I think I watched like, like most young people, I watch a lot of mainstream stuff. So what I can remember, I feel like the first Iron Man film was like the one that was like, that dragged me into watching films like every time they came out. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of what I can remember. Yeah, it's a, it's um sim- it was a similar thing with me because I... 
I, I'm a slightly older, so for me it was the Leonardo DiCaprio film. <laughs> and I started with a crush on him and then it probably, but I, like yourself, I used to love the Hunger Game films and I'd read all the books and similar to you, I sort of had that crossover and I always used to attend all of the premieres at Leicester Square. So I had the same similar, similar to you. I was just, I just loved the whole the whole everything about the film industry and I just yeah I was completely sucked in by that point I was doing my degree in film so I think I think I probably started a little bit earlier so you've already sort of like mentioned that you wanted to be a author when you were growing up how did you see yourself sort of what type of writing were you looking to do you know yeah I think again like most young people Jacqueline Wilson was like a huge like impact on my writing like I read all of her books multiple times but also just like young adult fiction was just like the main thing that like really blew up when I was a teenager um so that kind of like binge reading all of these different series and just being like blown away by the world building and all the different characters and it's very into like fantasy novels as well so the elements that you find in those books. Yeah, I think it was just a, like the first form of escapism that I found before film was reading books. So I just really wanted to like create that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any sort of particular reason why you were drawn to certain, was there certain sort of characters in books that more reflected yourself or was, can you see that or, or not? Well, when I was younger, I feel like a lot of the books were, if they didn't necessarily like describe the skin colour, it was typically a, a white protagonist in the book. So I never really focused on that element. It was more of the like, obviously because I'm a teenager at this point, I was kind of like, oh, powers, that's cool. Like the like those different elements um to it so I didn't really focus on like race and everything but I do see like now with like how books are adapted to screen there's a lot it's like easier for casting to kind of be more diverse so the books themselves might not be exactly like super diverse but film is making it more diverse to like fit in because you know the audiences of these books aren't just the like white boys and girls it's everyone so yeah yeah that's your question yeah it's it's interesting with me because I wasn't particularly conscious of it but thinking about this season and just generally thinking about where I draw representation when I was younger I remember I really liked the Brandy and Whitney Houston version of Cinderella and mm. I was never a Disney child and I never liked Disney. And I used to get a, a little bit frustrated. Or I didn't understand why I didn't like Disney like everybody else did. And now it, it's become more obvious. It's because I just couldn't relate to those people on screen. You know, you didn't have, you know, the, the, the obviously Disney are now more aware of that. You know, you have a wrinkle in time and Princess and the Frog. And, you know, but back back when I was growing up in the early 90s, it was, yeah, I could never relate to that. So 
even the Cinderella, I think I've noticed that I draw to that because of the fairy tale aspect. And I think when I was, you know, obviously when I imagined Cinderella, I always imagined her as a Caucasian lady. So for me, that was quite an interesting film. And even though looking back, it probably wasn't a great film. I feel like it was really forward for its time, you know, in colourblind casting. Um, and like you Definitely. were saying like you were saying in the sense of you know that even if the source material is you know more less diverse you know you find that with adaptations they you know they're starting to become more you know colorblind casting so yeah that's really interesting so you said you started with books and then you went on to film and tv so what sort of films and and uh tv shows did you watch growing up i'm guessing tracy beaker was one of them Oh, yeah, definitely Tracy Beaker. All of the, like, CBBC, Disney Channel stuff. It's really strange, like, as you were talking about, like, you didn't like Disney because they weren't diverse. It's like, for me, I feel like a lot of people, we're so used to seeing kind of white-led films and TV shows, so it doesn't even, like, cross our minds. So when I was younger, I didn't even, like, think about the fact that there wasn't black characters and then now when I'm older it's like one of the first things I look for yeah so it's like as I've gotten older I've started to realize wait a second like there's something missing from what I'm watching but when I was younger like my mom was a huge sci-fi fantasy fan as well which is probably where I get it from so (laughs) dinners were like spent watching Angel and Buffy and Charmed and all of those shows which were all pretty much white cast and then Again, films was just like, tip. I mean, she did like stuff like The Colour Purple. So those were the type of films I grew up watching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of kind of the, the big classics now that we consider. Yeah, yeah. And that is quite interesting. I was thinking as well with the like Disney Disney Channel, like I think they had like, so for me, it was that so right. <laughs> that was the main show like for me that I used to watch on Disney which I I I remember thinking that was a bit strange in the sense of the crossover with the films they didn't reflect uh, diversity as much as you know the TV shows but even the other day I I watched sort of as a giggle as a a throwback high school musical and even that like I remember that was a big deal when I was at school and again, I wasn't interested in high school musical. I remember my friend, she was obsessed with high school musical. Like she had Zac Efron on her bedroom wall, but I never could connect with it. And I remember looking at like the characters of like Taylor and Chad, and they're very much background characters. That would have been called out, definitely, if that was now as big as it was. Yeah. Yeah, but but it, I I just remember it's it's interesting. Like I wasn't necessarily conscious of why I didn't like all of these films or couldn't relate to them. And for me, I actually preferred uh, Cheetah Girls, and now it's really obvious. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Cheetah Girls was another one that I I loved. But also the music was like a lot better than yeah. <laughs> other films. So it was kind of like okay. Yeah, yeah, and it was quite sassy. It was quite like funky, and uh, yeah, it was a bit different. Where like I felt like High School Musical was a bit too goody two shoes. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Just generally on TV, so maybe not so much as a child, but on as growing up. Was there any sort of particular TV shows or that you were drawn to, or or what? I think that like the first 
big TV show that I remember like really like being like oh my god I I love this was the Vampire Diaries but again I had read the books so that was kind of the connection I had with that but yeah I just I loved Vampire Diaries and started to kind of see like Bonnie's character as the only black character in the show and kind of she was constantly being killed off and then brought back and looking at it now it's like why as the only black character was she constantly like being pushed aside and stuff but yeah the vampire dice was that was a big one for me when I was like 15 16 just thinking about just generally with, with films do is there any films that you feel are more of an authentic representation or or, or not I think it's getting better I think there's still a struggle to tell black stories without focusing on trauma and slave trade and stuff like I was really excited for the photograph I think it was with oh yes yeah it was a it was a rom-com yeah yeah and it didn't get a very big release which was really sad like when I saw the when I saw the trailer I was like oh my god a black rom-com like Mm. this never happens so and you have like hidden figures and girls trip and stuff so that's definitely like some films that are getting there but a lot of the time you still have a black character that's stereotyped or you have a storyline which is based around suffering and Mm. a lot of the time you just kind of want I mean you still want like drama and conflict but you want like a character who is yeah okay like there's there's nothing (laughs) that they have to like like really go through and like you have to see them like relive all of this trauma and pain and stuff so it's getting there but it's a slow process yeah I completely agree with you because I was talking to Caroline Wilson from Under London and I was talking to her about this and I was saying about how there's quite a lot of films that and TV that I think are great but sometimes I just want a story where like they have the character happens to be black but they're like and they have an ice cream van or they do something and they just happen to be black like a lot of the stories are more authentic and you know are based on real life stories but I feel like at the moment there's quite a lot out there that's around oppression and I just kind of feel like the same with you in that you just want stuff now and again that's just you know about life that that that's a crossover I mean it's quite interesting when you were saying about those films because I was trying to think the first one of the first films I saw in the cinema and this is going to show my age now was Brown Sugar <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of that I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brown Sugar and Love and Basketball I can't remember the the lady's name but she was big in the early noughties and she did a film called The Best Man and then she did Love and Basketball and Brown Sugar. And they were, again, like you said, they're very much a black rom-com. And then I feel like there's a big jump with like Girls Trip, which was similar to those types of films, but had more of a crossover, you know, like everybody saw Girls Trip and it was quite, you know, it's very successful in the cinema. So I feel it's quite interesting that big, huge you know, gap. But, and again, with Hidden Figures, you know, that had a big crossover. So, yeah, it's just interesting, some of the stories. And I know there's one film that I really identified with is Girlhood. It It's kind of interesting because 
I don't relate to all of it. And obviously there's lots of parts of it that are a bit more stereotypical. But, you know, the the big the biggest thing that I relate to is the sequence when she's singing with her friends to Rihanna Diamonds. That just so reminded me <laughs> of my teenage years and um growing up growing up in, you know, um, North London and, you know, in that sort of urban area with with my friends, you know, we used to spend the summers, not shoplifting, but used to spend the summers, you know, around, you know, just hanging out. And um, I really like that sequence. I think that 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 sequence, I I think, yeah, it's very special to me. But yeah, it's quite interesting looking at, I'm struggling to find many films that I would say is an authentic representation or authentic idea of the life that I live and the like, you know, so... Yeah, is that how you feel? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think like the way that films about black suffering are rewarded by the film industry with like Oscars and stuff, it's kind of just reinforcing the idea that people want these films. Whereas there are people saying we want just normal films about normal black people and black lives. We don't want like films about suffering, everything, but they don't really hear that the the louder thing is this film about slavery has won so many awards therefore we need to recreate more films about slavery because then we will make more money and all of this stuff so it's very difficult to delve into what black films there are to find like the representation about just like a, a life that I can connect to because compared to the other types of films about suffering they're so so small and they also don't get the like marketing to reach people Mm. they don't get picked up by the big distributors Mm. so they don't get exhibition in cinemas so you really have to look to find them because it's like there are black creators making these films and there are people making films with black characters but whether they seen as valuable to be distributed and marketed it's like it's it's quite difficult I think for for black films to get out there to be able to like show people the different representations of black people and then when you're thinking also as well of intersectionality in the sense of the age the regional areas, because when I was talking to Caroline about South Asian representation we were talking about I feel like there's more out there regionally due to the creators being from different regional areas. But a lot of the black representation is focused on London, which which was quite interesting. And then the age, the you know, the ages, for instance, like Steve McQueen with with the anthology series that he had, you know, they had Lovers mm-hmm. Rock, but it also focused on the Windrush generation, which was my dad's generation. And my dad's experiences are very different to my experiences. So, yeah, it's also in the sense of the different types of the Black British experience. Yeah, yeah. But I, I struggle to find one, I'd say, that I really identify with. But there's, you know, I, I think Michaela uh, Cole is doing really well and the kind of work that she's she's doing but yeah I just struggle and I was talking to another guest on another podcast and he he's much older than me and he was saying how he 
got representation from Desmond's. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Desmond's on the TV. And then that was made, you know, before I was even born. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's a completely different like experience. It's more my dad's generation. And then we're talking about like EastEnders and the the way that the Truman family are reflected of is more my dad's generation than the sort of upbringing that I had, you know, in the sense of the way the house is and everything. Is there anybody else that you you feel is trying to change that and trying to have different stories? I think just seeing, I guess, like John Baker and Daniel Kaluuya, like mm. the work that they are doing and their production companies and stuff. And yeah, like I said, Michaela Cole as well. And like seeing her go from chewing gum to the show that she just did, which I can't remember the name of. Yeah, yeah I think there's a lot more being done I'm really bad at names and like thinking of particular people but there's a lot of stuff being done and there's a lot more initiatives and kind of effort from the industry to get black creatives involved with making films so I think it's like it's it's more on everyone's radar now which is good do you feel as well that it's something to do with commissioning as well like obviously channel four were quite at the forefront in the late 80s early 90s but is it more of a case now with streaming services and things and that of making your own table instead of waiting for a seat at the table and finances because we I was talking to Caroline about Tyler Perry and you know the whole sense of he's created his whole studio and is that something you feel like maybe we need we need something that's going to that's the only way we're gonna you know make more stories but you you know if you don't feel that way that's fine but I was just thinking that you know that might be a possibility yeah yeah Yeah, no I think definitely I think I wrote about a little bit about this in my dissertation and I think streaming platforms like Netflix and Amazon definitely like create more opportunity for diversity on their platforms because they know that they have a global reach and I mean distributors know that too but I feel like it's slightly different with streaming platforms because they literally are in every single country and they know that their audience is ridiculously diverse so they're like if you have diverse stories come to us we'll pay you like a premium price for it and so they they have kind of the ability to reach out to people that maybe don't have the same opportunity to go to distributors to get their products commissioned and and brought and I think like having black production companies and making the stories within the community is definitely going to be a big thing it's you don't want it to be like a divide again between black and white creators but I think that there is a authenticity that comes from having a black filmmaker or writer cast on a project that it's going to like make it have more of a connection to their audience and you know they know the stories it's kind of difficult to have someone who hasn't lived that life tell those stories because it's it's just not going to be the same it's going to be different perspectives so yeah maybe that's more the sense that the content has to be from people that have experienced a similar story. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, it's been great chatting with you, Louise. It's been very interesting. So, yeah, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) 